And uh, by, by the way, just so you can go to your text, I'm actually going to use uh, Daniel chapter 10. Uh, and it'll take a few minutes before I get there, but I just want you to know that it's going to be Daniel 10 instead of what's written in your bulletin. And I'm preaching on the same subjects this morning and this evening. It's just I'll be using different scriptures, okay? So she, that's the way it will go today. And, and then also, uh, I was just thinking of Brother Carreras. He said that. Every time he would come, every time you'd see him, first thing, you know, first thing you'd see, he'd share a Bible verse with you. And he'd just give it, not a, not a three-point sermon. He'd just sit, sit there and say what it meant to him in a very quick statement, you know. And it was always so good, so profound. And, and yet you'd say, wow, you know. And he always had something new, something different. Each time he saw you, whatever he was reading that morning, and before he saw you that day, he would share it with you. And that, what a blessing that was. And that, I tell you what, uh, uh, we, we miss him around here, that's for sure. It's been a while now. Well, before we go to our message, let's have a word of prayer. Father, we're preaching on the subject of doing all to stand, which is something that you told us to do in your precious word. Lord, I realize that's a personal responsibility that you put upon each Christian. And Lord, in a day when we've seen many people go away from the foundations of the faith of the Word of God to so many other things, help us, Lord, to realize that our standing is not in the culture. Our standing is in the power of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and His Word. Father, if there's anyone under the sound of my voice today who does not know that if they die today, that heaven's their home, may today be the very day they come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And I ask this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Well, uh, this morning as we look at this by way of introduction, we looked last week, we were looking at uh, Matthew chapter 10, verses 5 through 8 uh, to begin with, and we made our major point, our first major point, the enlistment into God's army. If you are saved, God actually has tried to draft you. He wants you to enlist in His army. He's got a job for you. He's got something that He wants you to do. If you're saved, you specifically have something God wants you to do. It's going to be different for each person. But whatever it is, God has something special. Uh, specific for you to do. Now let's just look here. It's really though, your choice is either to, okay, Lord, whatever it is you want me to do, I'll do it. Sometimes we we'll ask, hey, would you, will you do this for us? Will you drive a bus or will you teach a Sunday school class? Will you do this sometimes? Well, no, I don't, well, I don't want to do that. Well, uh, I want to serve the Lord, but you know, I don't want to do that. Okay, and so they get asked, well, the Lord asked you, but then it is His choice into where and what He would have you to do. Again, it's His choice. Ephesians 6.12 says, For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained, He's already planned it for your life, that we should walk in them. And so He has a specific 
will pour your life. Now, when Jesus was on the mount, he chose 12 men that would be his disciples that he was going to send out for a specific work. But let's also remember, although out of those 12, don't forget that there were 70 others later that would be sent out. The Lord had a lot more that were disciples or students of Christ. But he selected 12 for a specific duty. He had, he sent the other 70 out. They also had specific duties. But he had a specific call for these. Not everyone's called to be a foreign missionary. Not everyone's called to be a pastor, Sunday school teacher, Christian school teacher, whatever. But God does have a call for your life. He has a call for your life. And so for this 12, they had a specific call. You know, as we said, the first point that we'd made on this was enlistment to God's army. Again, you've got to do that. But then uh, we are enlisted to an army. When you're talking about army, one of the things you think about is warfare. Now, on this earth, there'll be at different times, different wars going on here and there. And uh, people may be in, in for warfare. All the armies, they go through uh, war games. They have to learn. They have to learn how to fight when they're actually in the battle. And so they go through the war games and other things there. Uh, the Christian warfare, we find that with his armies, the Lord equips his soldiers. The twelve are sent out in the power and the call of God, but He equipped them. He gave them a duty, but He equipped them to do it. Uh, he told them that, uh, well, all right, you first you go out and you preach the kingdom of heaven. Well, why would you preach the kingdom of heaven? Because Jesus was there. Now he was going to die for our sins, be buried and raised from the dead, so that they would one day, when that spirit leaves their body, they could enter into the kingdom of heaven because they received him as their Lord and Savior. But they were also sent to heal the lepers. That was the cleanse, to cleanse the lepers, to, to heal them, to raise the dead, to cast out devils. And do you realize that Judas Iscariot was one of the twelve that was chosen? So did Jesus make a mistake? No, he gave Judas Iscariot a, a chance to do the right thing. And he sent all of them out to do all these great things, but they went out in God's power, not their own power. They had to lean on him, not themselves. And so we looked at the enlistment there. And they go out doing God's will, God's way. And again, you seek God's will for your life. If you're saved, you should always know the will of God for your life. Seek it at all times, Lord, what is it today? And commit to do God's will, God's way. Always do it in His timing. But you do God's will, God's way. So our exhortation as soldiers of the King of Kings, by the way, if you read Revelation 19, you'll see that that is one of the things that's written there. The King of Kings. And He is. He's the Lord of Lords. He's the God of Gods. 
He's the omnipotent, all-powerful, the omniscient, the all-knowing. He is our God. And that very God lets the Spirit indwell us the very moment we receive Jesus Christ as Savior. So we see that these men, these twelve, went out and they did those things. I mean, lepers got healed. They preached the kingdom of heaven. They, they had the sick healed. They, they, they raised the dead. I mean, all these things, they went out and they did these great miracles. What a wonderful thing that was. And when we seen all of that that they had done, what had been committed to them to do, and they did it. But then our exhortation as the soldiers of this king, we saw in Matthew 17. Now, the first was in Matthew 10 when they're called. But Matthew 17, Jesus is up on the Mount of Transfiguration. He's taken up with him Peter. He's taken John. He's taken James. Those three, they seem to be an inner circle of Christ. And, and yet, the twelve were all part of it. But now, those three go up to the Mount of Transfiguration. The nine are down at the bottom of the mountain. They're down there, and they're among the people. Jesus is transfigured before those three. They seem to become bright and glistering. They're so afraid, they all three of them faint. Moses and Elijah are there. What a great experience. And they have been privy to one of the greatest things that happened during the ministry of Jesus is seeing the, what the future glorified Christ was about and those guys coming to him, Moses and Elijah, to talk to him about the upcoming cross in Jerusalem, his death, his burial, and his resurrection. And so they uh, are there, and, and so these are men who followed Jesus throughout his entire ministry. They, they watched him those three and a half years. The other nine, all 12 of them really, they saw him cast out devils. Now think about that. They had not only done it, they saw what Jesus would do. Remember at Gadarene, <laughs> there was a man there that they could put him in chains and everything. It was just like putting uh, paper around him because they, they couldn't hold on. Nothing could hold him. He'd break out of it. They'd tried so many things. We found out that there wasn't just a demon. There was a legion of them. An entire army of them indwelling that one man. And so, these guys have seen, look, they saw Jesus calm a storm. They watched him walk on the water, scared them half to death. But they watched him walk on the water. As a matter of fact, Peter said, hey, he's walking on water, maybe we, I can't, you know. He looks out there and says, Lord, if it's you, uh, call me. He said, okay. Called him out. Peter starts walking, but then he sees the stormy seas about him. Just like when you take a step out for the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I'm going to stand for him, and there comes attack and everything from all other areas. And then you get your eyes off the Lord, and you see the storm that's coming at you. That's when you begin to sink like Peter did. And Jesus had to take him by the hand and said, Oh, ye of little faith. See, no matter what the circumstances are, you stand 
for the Lord. Now, so here are nine that are left down at the bottom of the hill, the bottom of the mountain. And a group comes to them and they say, my son, he's got a devil. Can you cast him out? He would later tell Jesus when Jesus asked him about him, and sometimes the devil cast him into the fire. Sometimes it cast him into uh, the, the lake to try to drown him. I mean, everything to try to kill this kid. This man's son, evidently, devils can't attack your children. Do you ever think about that? Several times in Scripture, we see people come to the Lord in this New Testament during the Gospel's account where he cast them out. For one, he cast the, daughter out, uh, the, the spirit out of the daughter, and she wasn't even there. The mother had come and found him, the Syrophoenician woman. And at a distance, he cast him out. There was a Roman general that sent to him for his son, for his servant, should I say. He says, Lord, don't come to my house. I'm not worthy of you. But I know if you say the word, it will happen. The Lord commended him. He says, I've never seen so great a faith in Israel among my people, other words. Here's this man who hasn't really been saved yet. And he cast out the devil out of that, that servant. Yes, the devil does attack. And so, the nine, here they are. They are asked about it before Jesus comes down off the mountain. But they can't cast them out. Wait a minute, they cast out devils before. Why can't they do it this time? And Matthew 19, 21 tells us that this kind comes not out but by prayer and fasting. Now think about that. These guys said, hey, we've done this. We know what it is. I don't know if they took turns trying to cast out the devil. If they tried it together, but nothing worked. Jesus comes walking off the mountain, finds out what's going on, and he casts out the devil. But he has to tell them, this kind comes not out, but by prayer and fasting. But you know what that tells me? To the crowd and to the disciples, Everything looked hopeless for that son. Never give up on a soul. Because Jesus is still God. He's still God come in the flesh. He is still all powerful. He is still able to do all things. Never, never, never give up on a soul. What happened to disciples on that? We're not told completely, but evidently, they weren't perhaps walking as they should walk as a Christian, as a follower of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So what happened to them? That they were unable to cast out this demon. Well, that's where we go to Daniel chapter 10. We're going to pick up there. So I hope you're at Daniel 10 because a long time to get to the text, but I wanted to lay the foundation from what we looked at in both sermons last Sunday. Now we're getting to the foundation of it. A devil that couldn't be cast out. Why? 
So in chapter 10, verse 1, In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a thing was revealed unto Daniel, whose name was called Belteshazzar. And the thing was true. But the time appointed was long. And he understood the thing and had understanding of the vision. And in those days, Daniel was mourning three full weeks, 21 days. You ever wonder what he was mourning about? Well, he had been there in the Babylonian Empire, now it's the Persian Empire. And it will be revealed to him that even the Persian Empire will fall and the Grecian Empire will come in. And all things happen just like the Lord revealed it would happen even back in Daniel chapter 2. But here it is, it's happening. And for three weeks he fasted and prayed for three whole weeks. He says in verse 3, I ate no pleasant bread, neither came flesh or wine into my mouth. Now when he says wine, he's not talking about alcoholic beverage, he's talking about grape juice. Uh, Daniel's a man of God, he didn't drink wine. But also, the meat, that kind of food he didn't eat, didn't have meat, didn't have fish, didn't have that there, didn't have the vegetables or anything else he would have eaten. But in the specific here, he probably had water. I don't know that he did, but he probably had water to drink. Three weeks without water would be pretty rough. But he said, without any wine in my mouth, neither did I anoint myself at all till three whole weeks were fulfilled. Okay. He didn't clean up or anything for three weeks. He was doing business with the Lord. Prayer, fast. And he says, in the four and twentieth day of the first month, as I was by the side of the great river, which is Hittichel, then lifted up mine eyes and looked, and behold, a certain man clothed in linen, whose loins were girt about with the gold of Euphaz. His body was like the burl, and his face as the appearance of lightning, and his eyes as lamps of fire, his arms and his feet like in color to polished brass, and the voice of his words like the voice of a multitude. And I, Daniel, alone saw the vision. For the men that were with me saw not the vision, but a great trembling fell upon them so that they fled. They fled to hide themselves. They didn't know what it's about. They weren't the ones 21 days in fasting. But when that come, it didn't matter who Daniel was, they were getting out of there. Every man for his own. 
Back down here in the 36, there was a big house there on the corner where there's a gas station. There's a big house there years ago. I mean, this back in the 60s and early 70s. It was called Black's House of Phantoms. And you'd walk through that house because it was a thing that you'd take kids to, they'd take teenagers to. And I remember my brother and I taking a group of teens there just to see what it was about. The only thing was, you know, you go through one of those things, you know, you go to a circus and they'd have a spook house. Well, this actually used real people. My oldest brother, Jim, about twice my size, about ran over me to get out of there. Okay, so he had it. I mean, wow. Scared him half to death, and we were laughing about it later and so forth. But uh, we were just looking to see, well, you see early part, you know, just little pictures and other things there that seem, okay, yeah, what you'd normally expect in one of those houses. And then, boom, actual people coming at you. But here's the thing. With all of that, it didn't matter that I was his little brother. He was getting out of there. I could tell you some other stories about it, but we won't go into those. But what I'm just saying is, is that that was rough. <laughs> that was rough. It scared him. And, and it was. It just got you by surprise. Well, these guys had no idea. At Daniel, they probably worked for Daniel. Dan Daniel was high up in the kingdom. It didn't matter how high he was, they were getting out of there. They were getting out of there. They knew something was going on. And a lot of times the world's afraid of us because they're scared. Afraid what it might do to their life. Only in this case, what we have is we have something to give them that will give them eternal life. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, therefore, I was left alone and saw this great vision. And there remained no strength in me, for my comeliness was turned into corruption. And I retained no strength. Yet heard I the voice of his words. And when I heard the voice of his words, then I was I in a deep sleep on my face and my face toward the ground. You think about the Christians bow their heads and they pray. Why do they do that? Maybe that's a good example of it right there. He realized he was in God's presence. He was getting down as low as he could to, uh, because out of respect bowing to the king of kings. And behold, an hand touched me, which set me upon my knees, and upon the palms of my hands, just kind of like a man would get down on his hands and knees and play with a little one on his back as a horse he running around. He was down on his hands and knees. A grown man, an old man, down on his hands and knees. And he said unto me, O Daniel, a man greatly beloved, understand the words that I speak unto thee, and stand upright, for unto thee, to thee, 
am I sent? I am now sent. And when he had spoken this word unto me, I stood trembling. And he said unto me, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that thou didst set thine heart to understand and to chasten thyself before thy God, thy words were heard. And I am come for thy words. Now, wait a minute. Daniel started praying 21 days earlier. Immediately, God heard those words and he sent out this angel. But he doesn't get there for 21 days. He's hindered. He's not going to make it there. What's going on? He says, I am come for thy words. And, and then he says, but the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days. And lo, Michael, the archangel, is Michael, the archangel, by the way, one uh, uh, who who comes to his, uh, the, the help of him. He's one of the chief priests, uh, princes that came to help me. Now let me just point that out. I, I lost my place there for a moment when I was going back to the scripture. But Michael is an archangel. The prince of Persia is not a prince or a king of Persia. It is a devil. It's a demon. This angel of God, a good angel, is sent from heaven to go to Daniel, and he can't make it to him because this demon is stronger than him, and the only way to get to Daniel is that Michael will come to him. But what you might miss in that story, Daniel didn't quit. He stayed there. He stayed with it. He waited on the Lord. He just stayed there in prayer. He waited. He, he kept doing what you're supposed to do, like waiting a table. He waited on the Lord. He kept in prayer. He knew he was being in prayer. He was supposed to keep his mind on the things of the Lord. And he waited on the Lord. And he says, Now am I come to make thee understand what shall be the, uh, yet for the people in the latter days. For yet... The vision is for many days. Now, kind of tells you that Daniel was interceding for Israel, for his people. He was already praying for them. 21 days he's spending there in, in this condition, seeking the Lord in his face and, and seeking the will of God. See, what happened with the disciples when they couldn't cast them out they were trying things in their own power, their own experience, although it was a good experience, their own experience. And perhaps they expect, well, the Lord shall still do it from, uh, through me. But you've got to understand, you have no power, no strategy, no wisdom against the devil that's going to win on your own strength and your own goodness. And so... Jesus walked in the Spirit. It's just that they, when they asked why, he had said, this kind of comes not out but by prayer and fasting. But he also said in John 14, 12. Now understand, John 14, 12, he's on his way to Gethsemane, from which he's going to be taken 
into captivity to where he will be put to death on the cross. Within a couple days, he's dead. But in John 14, 12, he says something. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. He's going to his Father. You're back here alone, and he's going to do this work. He says, I'm going to my Father. But there's still a warfare going on down here. This time, this kind comes not out but by prayer and fasting. You see what's happened is these disciples, oh, they had a prayer time, but you know what? They'll go to the Garden of Gethsemane and say, I need you to pray. I went over here to pray. Yeah, I need all of you to pray. They all fell asleep. They didn't understand the walk with God as a Christian. They were saved men. But they failed in the area of prayer and keeping their mind stayed upon Jehovah where hearts are fully blessed. And they were losing the warfare. Well, Jesus cast out the demon of the possessed boy. And you know what? He can still do that today. What seems impossible, it may be a wayward son, it may be a wayward daughter, it may be a wayward wife, it may be a wayward husband, it may be a drug addict, it can be a loved one uh, with a broken family. It could be a, all types of things that are there that we could talk about. And they can be fully forgiven. Wherefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature, that is a new creation. Old things are passed away, and behold, all things are become new. You know what? Sometimes what we miss in that verse in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, wherefore has the idea of right now, the moment a person receives Christ, right now, that's past. Right now, he wants to take over your life and have the power and the control in your life, and he lets it up to you to let him do that. With a heart man believes unto righteousness, you're giving him your life. You're trusting him. And that's what he does for you, and he'll do it for you. You know, it can be the most immoral people, no matter who, but it's not impossible for him. Remember, Gabriel, an archangel, appears unto Mary, says, you're going to have a son. Uh, how can this happen? I don't know a man. I, don't, I just don't know a man. I, you know, you've got to have a man. No. The Holy Ghost is going to come upon you. And that, thing that, shall, that holy thing that shall be born of you shall be called the Son of God. And she's, how? He says, with God, in Luke 137, nothing is impossible. Hey, you know somebody that's really messed up, and it's gone on, it's gone on, it's gone on, it's gone on. Are they dead? If they're not dead, there's still hope. Don't quit. Don't give up. Pray daily. Think on it daily. Ask God to help you daily. Ask God to show you things from day to day, what he wants you to do. Doing all to stand. You see, that's what you're doing. 
you have a responsibility to do, as a Christian, to do all to stand. And you must believe that he has the power to still do it today. He hasn't lost any power. He's still God. Look, Jesus prayed. He prayed. Although those disciples were with him three days and a half, he got up a great while before day to pray. He was away from his disciples. Oh, where'd he go now? They found places where he'd go to pray. That's where they would go to meet him. He'd rise up a great while before day to go pray. John R. Rice made a statement in one of his books and as well as in one of his sermons. He said, my greatest failures are prayer failures. And I can tell you, I have found that to be true, very true myself from my own life. The greatest failures are prayer failures. Now, Having said all of that, not one bit of this sermon means a thing to you if you're not saved. If you don't know if you died today, that heaven's your home. You can pray all you want, but until Christ is your Savior, until you receive Him as Lord and Savior, your prayers aren't going to do a thing. So let me ask you something. Do you have a loved one that you would want to pray for? You can pray for them every day. They may get better. They may, whatever happens that you're praying for may happen. But to be quite honest with you, it won't be your prayers that did it. You must know him as Lord and Savior. You must have power with God. And you won't have any power with God until first he is your Lord and Savior. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That's the truth that still lives today. The wages of sin is death, final, complete separation from God forever in the lake of fire. But God, oh, I'm glad there's a but God. But God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, just like we are, even in our worst state, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Think of that. You know, that's really, we talk about, oh, that's profound. That is profound. Why would he die for us? I mean, we know when we're doing things wrong. You don't even have to be saved to know what's wrong. Christ died for us. Every sin you ever have or ever will commit was paid for on the cross, but it must be received. You must receive Him as your Lord and Savior. So He says that thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart with your life that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made to salvation. For whosoever, and whosoever means exactly that, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Do you know? Do you know beyond any shadow of a doubt that if you died today that heaven's your home? I'm not asking, do you feel God would take you to heaven? No, you can know it. He said, I don't know that. Oh, we can show it to you. We really can. You can know him. You can walk out of this auditorium today knowing the Lord. But just like for Christians, just in this 
sermon here just for Christians doing all to stand. You've got to come to Him. You've got to come to Him. You can do that on your part. He's not going to save you just because you're a good guy. He'll save you if you'll receive Him as Lord and Savior. Let's bow our heads, please.